Well, welcome to Arrows Church. My name is Robert, and uh, surgery went well. And so I had uh, surgery on my heel. Yeah, I, I did great. I just laid there, and uh, I guess it went well. They tell me it went well. I don't remember any of it. And so, so yeah, hopefully tomorrow I'll get this thing off, and they'll put me in a boot, and maybe I'll be able to start walking on it a little bit. So, um, so glad you guys are here, Arrows Church. We are a community where everyone is welcome, nobody's perfect, and with Jesus, anything is possible, and we believe those three things uh, pretty seriously, and so we're so glad you're here. Uh, if, if you haven't met uh, me yet, if we haven't had a chance to talk, I'd love a chance to talk with you before you leave. I do, well, there it goes, it's fine. Um, I do want to highlight one of our volunteers this morning, Mr. David Gillis over here. Uh, yeah, David is, uh, very crucial and very quiet, and so you probably don't hear much from him, but you see a lot of what he does, and so he helps us with all the lighting and a lot of the video stuff and just set up and, and tear down and things like that, so David, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Well, we couldn't do it without you. Thank you. We, uh, we have been challenging all of you, if you consider Arrows kind of your place, we've been challenging all of you to start serving somewhere at least once a month. There's a lot of different areas you can serve, and uh, we just feel like that's something uh, you, you should want to do at some point in your journey is start serving, and we have plenty of opportunities, plenty of ways you can do that. All you have to do is uh, check that box on I'd like to start serving. It's supposed to say somewhere, but if you notice it says some ear. It works. It works as well. So that's how we say it in East Texas, some ear. So uh, anyway, just check that box or scan that QR code and we can help you find out where those areas might be and uh, whether that is starting to serve or, or as Lamont uh, challenged everyone to begin giving generously because like he said it's one thing to be generous it is an entirely different thing to be on the other side of that generosity and 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 until you have ever been on that other side I don't even know that you can fully understand the the impact of your generosity until you understand what it's like to receive that and uh, so powerful, and so we encourage you guys to do that. We do have a, a, a now, we announced this last time. We have a new ministry for our fourth, fifth, and sixth grade students that are gonna is gonna start on the twenty fifth of this month. It's called four fifty six, and uh, we've got a great team who is already excited about that. And so, if you have a a child in that range, they're going to be in the fourth, fifth, or sixth grade this coming year. Please go to arrows.church forward slash 456 and be sure to sign up uh, so that you can get the latest, greatest information, uh, but that is coming. And I have a super duper big announcement next week. I promise you, it's big it, and, and it's, it's great. It's awesome and it's fun and it's exciting for Arrows Church and I'm going to make you wait a whole week before I tell you. And so... Don't worry, it's not one of those like little things that I'm trying to make big. No, it's really big. It's a, it's a really big announcement, but I am going to make you wait a week. And so, uh, yeah, that's on me. So let me pray for us as we get started. God, as we, as we open your word and, and hear what you have to say to us, as we've already prayed this morning, 
I pray that you open our eyes to see and our ears to hear, our hearts to understand this text and what you want us to, to walk away from here knowing about this text this morning. Be with me as I say it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we've been going through Galatians. Uh, if, if you're kind of new here and you're not sure, we've been going through Galatians. We've made it through the first two chapters. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the letter of Galatians to the churches in Galatia, he has sort of been spending some time on his story, talking about his conversion and what's happened to him and, and his credentials and all of that sort of thing. And now he's going to switch in chapter 3 to start telling their story, the Galatians' story, reminding them of their story because they had clearly had forgotten. And so we're going to look at three blessings this morning. We just sang the song, The Blessing. And, and we, you know, may his favor be upon us for a thousand generations and us and our children and their children and all of that. Well, this is very biblical. And so we're going to look at three blessings this morning. We're going to look at the blessing of the Spirit, the blessing of Abraham, and the blessing of God. That's going to kind of navigate us through as we go through this text. So keep those three blessings in mind. Let's start off looking at the blessing of the Spirit. So let's pick up Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. So as you can see already, this is not Paul trying to be eloquent, right? He's not trying to throw out Shakespearean-style writing where he's slowly trying to convince them how foolish they've been. No, he comes straight out and he says, hey guys, you're acting like idiots. You're kind of being stupid right now, so stop. And he just jumps right out and says that, sort of like those people who, and, and this may be you, by the way, so if it is, um, no offense intended. But, and by the way, I, I told the, the team earlier this morning, uh, I've since weaned off all, all the narcotics that they had me on, but I wrote a lot of this when I was on it, so I'm not real sure how this is going to go this morning, so uh, just, just bear with me on that. Um, it's like those people who... Well, you see them online, Facebook, email, whatever it is, and they're like, hey guys, sorry, but my Facebook profile was hacked, so don't trust anything or whatever. And I always want to be like, hey dude, like nobody hacked into your Facebook profile. There's not a covert organization in a dark room with a lot of computers trying to get into your computer, your Facebook profile for the interest of national security. You didn't get hacked, you got scammed. You got fished. Right? Like you clicked on something you should, shouldn't have clicked on, or you shared something you shouldn't have shared. Somehow you opened the door for them to come in, in other words. Okay? And Paul is saying this. He's like, hey, Galatians, you didn't get hacked. Nobody snuck in covertly here. You guys opened the door to this false gospel and you started believing it. You got scammed. And you're kind of embarrassing yourself at this point. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 2. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? So in other words, he says, just answer this one thing for me. When I came to you originally and I shared the gospel with you for the first time and I told you about Jesus for the first time, how did you receive the Spirit? Did you receive the Spirit because of your observance to the law? And of course, he and all of the Gentile readers would have immediately known no, because they didn't even know the law. 
They had never even heard of the law. So they're like, well, no, we received the Spirit. We didn't even know anything about the law at the time. Because Paul didn't go on and on and on about the law. It wasn't until these Jewish agitators came in that that's when they started hearing about all these requirements and, and regulations and all of that. Sort of like when I gave my life to Jesus as a teenager. I, I did not grow up in church. And I believe that, that that night when I gave my life to Jesus and I asked him to be my Savior, I believed I received the Spirit of God. But was it because Robert had read the Bible all the way through several times? No. I'd never even read the Bible. Was it because Robert tithed regularly to the church? No. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Was it because I just was super excited about sharing my newfound faith with everybody I knew? No. I was afraid to tell my own parents I was getting baptized. Like, it wasn't because of anything that I had done, obviously. It was because I believed that what God said was true. And I put my faith in that. And that's how I got the Spirit of God. And Paul is telling them, that's how you got the Spirit. You believed what I preached to you early on, and you received the Spirit. So, verse 3. Are you so foolish that after beginning with the Spirit, you are now trying to attain your goal by human effort? In other words, think about this. If you received the Spirit simply because you believed that what I said was true, why are you now trying to keep the Spirit by doing all these right things. It would be like a child when they got to the, the point in life where they really understand that their parents love them. I don't know how, how old that, that was for you, you know, five, six, seven, eight, 20, I don't know. Like when you finally realize, my parents love me. It would be as if that child at that point then started trying to do a lot of things in order to keep that love from their parents in order to, to, to keep it. In other words, they, they're going around, they're doing all the chores, they're trying to be as nice as they can, and the parents are like, what is going on? And they're like, well, I get that you love me, but now I have to do all these things in order for you to keep loving me. And the, the parents are obviously like, what are you talking about? Like, that's foolish. Like, we've loved you from the beginning. We loved you when you were helpless. We loved you when all you did was cry and pee on us. We were trying to change you. Like, we loved you then, and we've always loved you, and we're always going to love you. You can't do anything to make us love you less, and you can't make, do anything to make us love you more. Like, we appreciate you doing all the chores, that's cool, but it's not because it's what makes us love you, right? Like, that would be foolish. This is what Paul is trying to tell to the Galatians. It's foolish if you begin with the Spirit based on your faith, and then somehow you think you can keep it based on what you do. Verse 4, have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really is for nothing, if it really was for nothing, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? That word suffered could also be translated experienced. So have you experienced God's free gift of grace only now to try to earn his free gift of grace? Because if so, I got, a, I got news for you, it's not free anymore. Gifts have to be given. In order for a gift to be a gift, it has to be given. It can't be something that you earn. 
It can't be something that you are paid. It can't be something that someone is required to pay you. That's a wage. That's a, that's a check. That's a salary, right? That's a minimum wage, whatever it is. It's not free at that point, and it's not a gift at that point. In effect, what he's saying to them is this. If salvation is not the work of God from beginning to the end, then the preaching of the gospel is useless. The death of Jesus on the cross was unnecessary. And the gift of the Holy Spirit doesn't matter. If salvation is not the work of God from beginning to end, then what I'm doing right now is a waste of all of our time. Jesus didn't even have to die. And who cares about the gift of the Spirit? Because it wouldn't even be a thing. Listen to what I'm saying, okay? What I'm about to say, I believe, is as important as it may be controversial to some of you. It's not, not all of you. Some of you are going to agree. But some of you, this might hit a little close to home. But I believe it's that important, okay? So here, here's what it is. If you have to do anything, if any part of your faith requires you to do something in order to receive grace from God, you have stopped believing in the gospel and started living a works-based religion. If you have to do something for God in order for God to give you grace, that is not the gospel. That is a works-based religion. If you have to be baptized as an infant in order to receive grace from God, that is not the gospel. If you have to go on a two-year mission for God in order to receive grace from God, that is not the gospel. If you have to offset bad karma with good karma, that is not the gospel. If you have to continually pay penance for your sins and continually be forgiven by God for those sins, that is not the gospel. And if you have to eliminate all desires and cravings in order to escape suffering, that is not the gospel. Those are works-based religions. The only thing you and I are required to do in order to receive grace from God is to believe that Jesus is God's Son that he died on the cross for our sin, and accept him. That is it. That's it. It's, it's faith. Faith that Jesus is who he is, said he is, and he did what he did for us. Then, this is where we turn the corner, because a lot of people like to end right there and be like, amen, they walk out, and it doesn't change their life at all. Then, after we receive that free gift of grace, that free gift of grace will cause us to want to do certain things. It will cause us to want to be a better person. It will cause us to want to learn more about God. It will cause us to be generous in our church. It will cause us to serve and give of our money and give of our time and to want to be better people, better husbands, better wives, better children, better bosses, better employees, all the things. Why? Because it's in us now. The Spirit of God is in us. People love to highlight the thief on the cross, and I'll just be 100% honest with you. I have a love-hate relationship with the thief on the cross. I love it because it's absolutely true, that joker didn't do anything, and Jesus led him into heaven. Totally true. 
only thing he did is he recognized who Jesus was in that moment. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, that's faith. You're going to be with me. That joker didn't do anything. And that's 100% true. But I don't like the thief on the cross. It's because people want to look at the thief on the cross and, and look at him as a model. Like, well, the thief on the cross didn't do anything. He got into heaven. Yeah, you're right. He didn't read his Bible. He didn't go to church. He surely didn't tithe. He didn't try to be a better employee or a better husband. He didn't do anything. You're right. So, but if you're going to look at me like, well, the thief on the cross didn't do that, so I shouldn't either. He died. Like, he had a pretty good excuse for not doing any of those things. But let's not fool ourselves. Let's say for some strange reason, he survived that day. Somehow, something happened, cross broke over, they let him go, I don't know, and he survived. Don't you think he would have changed? Like, like that dude, having received the gift that Jesus gave him in that moment, he would have done some things. Because the Spirit of God was in him. Here's the truth. We don't do things to obtain our faith. We do things because of our faith. We don't, we don't do anything that you could, you could add that you could say that you do. We don't do any of that in order to receive more grace from God. Like a parent, there's not anything we can do to make our kids love us, make us love our kids more. And God doesn't love us more the more good we do. He loves us. We do things because of that love, because of that faith. That's why we're motivated to do the things we do. That was the blessing of the Spirit. The other two are going to go a little quicker. Blessing of Abraham. So we talked about the blessing of the Spirit. Let's talk about the blessing of Abraham. Verse 6, consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. I get asked often how the people in the Old Testament got saved compared to how we get saved today. Like, how did they get saved before Jesus came? And honestly, the best way I can describe it is the same exact way that we do. Like, think about it. They were looking toward, forward to a coming Messiah. They believed that what God promised would happen, and they lived accordingly. Isn't that what we do? We're looking forward to a coming Messiah. He's coming back, and we believe that what God promised will happen, and we live accordingly. It's the same thing. We're on the other side of Jesus having already came, but our faith is the same. We put our faith in God because we believe what he said is true, and we live accordingly. We just have the proof now that that faith is real because Jesus came and died and rose again. Paul uses Abraham, which he does often, by the way, sort of like his main Old Testament reference that he uses was Abraham, to illustrate how faith equals righteousness, not works. Abraham believed God, and that is why he was considered righteous. It didn't say Abraham did 87 things for God, and because of that, God thought he was righteous. No, it was his faith. Look at verse 8. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. God was including the Gentiles in the promises that God gave Abraham back in Genesis 12. Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. You are going to be great. 
I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those who curse you. My favor is going to be on you for a thousand generations, and your children, and their children, and their children. This is a promise God is making to Abraham. And Paul is illustrating how God is bringing in the Gentiles underneath that promise because they were not the children of Abraham. The Jews were. But God is including the Gentiles into that promise. Look at verse 10. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Remember, he's talking to the Gentiles and the Jewish agitators at the same time. And I can just imagine how those Jewish people in the room were hearing this. And basically what he's saying is this. Hey guys, you who have devoted your life to following God's law, you're cursed. You have tied yourself to God's law and doing it perfectly. And without knowing it, you have cursed yourself because it's impossible for you to do it perfectly. Because you can't halfway follow God's law. The law does not grade on a curve. It is 100% pass-fail. And if you fail any of it, you're guilty of all of it. And that was what was so crazy about these people who were trying to follow it. They knew they were breaking it in some areas. But they thought, well, if I can just be better and do more and be good, that maybe he'll grade on a curve or something. So we talked about the blessing of the Spirit, the blessing of Abraham. Let's look at the blessing of God now. Verse 11, clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. Read that again. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. It's important to know that when the law was first given, way back in the day, nobody was going to be able to fulfill that. See, a lot of times we think that humanity started off kind of here, like everything was good, and just over the last several thousand years, we've been on this sort of slow decline into what we have now with our current culture. Like we were good, and we've just slowly been getting worse over time. Guys, that's not true. That's not true. There's a lot of things about our culture today that are better than what they were even 100 years ago, Right? We're not, we're not in a decline of depravity just getting worse and worse over time. When day one, when, when, when Moses walked off that mountain with the tablets and God's law, nobody was going to be able to follow it. That's the point. God never intended for anybody to be able to follow it. He intended for when we look at the law to stare at it like a 50-foot wall, being like, I can't get over that. I'm going to need help. I can't do that. That was the purpose of the law, to show us our need for God. But there's good news. Look at verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The law cursed us. Those who were trying to fulfill the law cursed themselves even more without even knowing it. And then Jesus became that curse for us. The only way God could help was if God became one of us. And he did through Jesus. 
So Jesus was the payment that we couldn't pay. He was the ransom that we couldn't afford. He, he paid what, the debt that we could not pay. But why? Go back to the three blessings. Blessing of the Spirit, blessing of Abraham, blessing of God, right? Now flip those. The blessing of God came through Jesus. Because that's the only way he could prepare a way, to make a way. So that the blessing of Abraham, which was only for a nation, could now be for all the nations. Every tongue, every tribe, every race, every ethnicity, every language. The blessing of God came through Jesus so that the blessing of Abraham could be for everyone. And when we place our faith in Jesus we receive the blessing of the Spirit, of God's Spirit. So what do we do? What do we do with that? Well, number one, receive that Spirit. Receive God's Spirit. Say, Jesus, I I believe that you are who you say you are, and I believe that you died on the cross, and I believe that that wasn't just a big thing that you did for a lot of people. I believe you did that for me. Believe it personally. And then, don't act like the thief on the cross. Don't act like that. He is not a model. That story illustrates the forgiveness of Jesus, not what our lives should be about. He is not our model. He is an example of how awesome Jesus is. But we who have the Spirit, we should be motivated to want to do things because of the Spirit that we have in us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this word and this is the part of the the letter where Paul starts to sound a little repetitious but there was a reason for that and if he thought that the Galatians needed to hear this over and over and over again then my guess is we need to hear this over and over and over again because this is something that's so easily forgotten it's so easily forgotten that we, we try to earn your favor. There's nothing wrong with doing great things. There's nothing wrong. In fact, we, we are encouraged to dive deeper into our faith, to search your word, to give of our time and our money and our resources and gifts and abilities. But God, when we do that in order to please you, in order to receive grace from you, we have turned a corner and we are missing the point. So God, help us when we do those things, realize that we're doing them out of joy. Maybe even out of obedience if you've called us to do something. But God, we're not doing it out of shame or fear or requirement. We're doing it out of love. So help us love you, help us love ourselves, help us love others. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing about the gospel.